is this. The early Christians, they had a foundational belief that God would lead them through his word and prayer. They believe that God's word and prayer is how they're going to be led. Is this not a lesson for us? The resurrection of Christ has got to be central. Prayer as a people has got to be central. God's word has got to be central. The same things that the early church said, these are foundational. These are the same things that have to be foundational and central for us. Let's pick back up verse 15. And in those days, Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples. Altogether, the number of names was about 120 and said, men and brethren, this scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke before by the mouth of David concerning Judas, who became a guide to those who arrested Jesus. For he was numbered with us and obtained a part in this ministry. Now this man purchased a field with the wages of iniquity, and falling headlong, he burst open in the middle, and all his entrails gushed out. And it became known to all those dwelling in Jerusalem. So that field is called in their own language, Akel Dama, that is, field of blood. For it is written in the book of Psalms, let his dwelling place be desolate, and let no one live in it, and let another take his office. Therefore, of these men who have accompanied, accompanied us all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John to that day when he was taken up from us, one of those must become a witness with us of his resurrection. And they proposed two. Joseph, called Barsabas, who was surnamed Justice, and Matthias. And they prayed and said, You, O Lord, who know the hearts of all, show us which of these two you have chosen to take part in this ministry and apostleship from which Judas by transgression fell, that he might go to his own place. And they cast their lots, and the lot fell on Matthias. And he was numbered with the eleven apostles. You might ask yourself, well, why did they, why did they replace Jesus, uh, Judas? They were obedient to the scriptures. They were obedient to the scriptures. It tells us right here. Peter, Peter is telling us that through the mouth of David, through a psalm, God is speaking to them and making it clear. Now, some have argued that the disciples acted too quickly or too hastily, and that the apostle Paul uh, should have been the replacement for Judas. You may have heard that argument before. Paul should have been uh, one numbered among the twelve. But hear me on this. Um, there's two problems with that. One, Paul wasn't qualified. What? Paul didn't meet the qualifications. Judas' replacement was to be someone who had done what? Have followed with them since Jesus' baptism and must have also been an eyewitness of his resurrection. Trust me, that wasn't a long list. It wasn't going to be a long list. Now, the, the, it grew, certainly, but only two people are mentioned. Maybe only two people qualified. Paul wouldn't have met the qualifications. Not only that, Paul was going to be God's choice as an apostle to the Gentiles. 
God had a purpose for him. And God is going to use him for that purpose. But hear me on this. Paul is not, was not God's choice to be one of the 12 or numbered among the 12. If he had been God's choice, Paul would have been chosen as one of the 12. Uh, but he wasn't. Matthias was. Why? Because Matthias met the qualifications. Now, Peter and the rest of the apostles did what? They understood that the scriptures with such clarity that they were ready to take action. Consider that. How many times had Jesus said things you know, about the scriptures and they were like, I don't, I don't understand what's going on. And now we see Peter doing what? Reading the Old Testament scriptures and he's reading it with a holy light. He's going, ah, clearly David in Psalm 109, this is a reference to Judas. And if it is, then we have something to do. Listen to Psalm 109. This is verses 69. This is, the, this is uh, David writing. Set a wicked man over him and let an accuser stand at his right hand. When he is judged, let him be found guilty and let his prayer become sin. Let his days be few and let another take his office. Let his children be fatherless and his wife a widow. Wow. Peter read that and said, we're supposed to replace him. This is, about, this is clearly about Judas. And, and he saw that, and he understood it, and he, and he interpreted it properly. And he, he, he seems to be understanding that, the, that all of the scriptures are pointing us to Jesus. All of the scriptures, the Old Testament, is helping them understand and putting, them, putting things into perspective. But let me tell you how dirty the devil is. The devil's dirty. He will play dirty. You remember a couple of weeks ago, you remember Satan's role with Judas? You remember it wasn't demonic possession? It was what? Satanic possession. What happened? Luke and John both put it this way. They said Satan entered Judas. This wasn't demonic possession. This was Satan himself saying, I'm not going to let anybody else do this. This is something I'm going to do. Now look back at Psalm 109, verse 6. Let an accuser stand at his right hand. You know who the accuser is? That's Satan. You know how I know that? Guess what the Hebrew word for Satan is? Accuser. So the very word in Psalm 109, verse 6, it literally is saying, uh, and let Satan stand at his right hand. That's what it's saying. And let Satan stand at his right hand. Satan was right there the whole time. Satan was right there the whole time with Judas. And then when all the events are over, what does Satan do? Points his finger at Judas and makes accusation. That's dirty. That's dirty. He played part in the whole thing, and then he stands next to him and points at him. Points at, look what he did. Look what he did. The devil will do anything and everything in his power to cause you to stumble, and then he will turn around and make accusation against you for sinning. He'll be the very one to set the trap. He'll be the very one to put it right in front of you and tempt you with it. And then when you succumb to it, he'll be the very one standing right next to you saying, I can't believe you did that. Make an accusation. 
That's exactly what, what the, the psalm is doing. The psalm is saying Satan is going to make accusation. He's right there in the midst of it. He's doing everything he can to influence it. And then he steps away and points his finger. That's the dirty devil. Listen, if we want to see great things at Grace Point Church, we want to see God do great things, we must remind ourselves that our goal isn't complete. We don't compete with other churches. We don't compete with other churches. Other churches may have bigger budgets, but we don't exist to compete. We don't even compete against the things of the world. Our goal is to proclaim the resurrected Christ, to continue in one accord through prayer, and to be obedient to the very Word of God. If we can do that, uh, guess what? The gates of hell will not prevail against us. We can do those things. In fact, that is a winning combination for a church of any size. And that leads me to one last thought. May Grace Point Church always be a place where the gospel meets life. Let's pray.